0: Imagine, you just got home from work, dinner is ready, wine is chilled, and your man has offered you 15 minutes of heaven in the form of a foot massage. And then he says, Your tanning
1: session is now complete. What just happened? you found your escape at Palm Beach Tan. Break from the chaos at a Palm Beach Tan near you and leave rejuvenated. Take time for yourself at Palm Beach Tan and take that feeling with you wherever you go. Get up to $25 off your first month featuring Australian Gold perfect man not included if there's anything better than getting a few of your favorite things from mcdonald's it's getting a few of your favorite things from mcdonald's for less
2: in the mcdonald's app Mm. delicious order in the mcdonald's
3: app today right now only in the app enjoy a breakfast sandwich for just one dollar like a sausage mcmuffin with egg Offer valid one time per day from 4:29 to 5:12, 24 at participating McDonald's. Must opt into rewards.
4: Truth is singular, and lies are plural, but history, the facts of what happened, is both immutable and mostly unknowable. David Carr, The Night of the Gun. A listener's note: This series includes descriptions of violence sexual assault, and grooming. It is not recommended for young audiences. The People vs. Robichaux and Riley is an ongoing case. At the time of this episode's original air date, the defendants had not been convicted of any of the crimes alleged against them. From Justine Harmon and Audio this is O.C. Swingers, Chapter 5, God with two Ds. She slept for
5: years on a bench in a park, she made some passes at men in the dark, they began running alone through the night,
3: when she began loving they put up no fight.
4: When Grant and Sarissa were finally arrested on September 12th, 2018, eight months after officers took guns, drugs and electronics from their home, things weren't looking good for the pair.
3: This is a disturbing story. Good morning. Prosecutors described Dr. Robichaux and his girlfriend as an attractive couple who lured victims into letting down their guard. The Orange County District Attorney says videos found on Robichaux's phone suggest the couple could have assaulted several other women together.
4: And on October 17th, 2018, after the DA Tony Rokakis urged additional victims to come forward.
2: With this announcement, we're hoping that some people see it and say, hey, I was in that circumstance. I was there. I should come forward.
4: The two were arraigned on an amended complaint that included charges from five new victims. The arraignment had been scheduled for October 25th. But the DA's office moved it a week earlier because it wouldn't be prudent, they said, to leave Grant and Sarissa out in society when we know that there are more serious charges that have occurred and more victims. Thanks to the women who came forward after the arrest, Grant and Sarissa were now being charged with 17 felonies, including forcible rape, rape by use of drugs, oral copulation by anesthesia, or controlled substance, and three counts of kidnapping to commit sex offense. The couple pled not guilty to all 17 counts. During the arraignment, Deputy District Attorney Jennifer Walker argued that, based on the scope of the charges, bails should be raised from $1 million to $3 million each. The defense argued that Grant and Sarissa weren't more dangerous than they had been a month ago, and that they'd already proven not to be a flight risk. Twice in the last nine months, Grant and Sarissa had traveled outside of the country, and they had returned. Grant's lawyer, Philip Cohen, said, to the extent that the government continues fully to believe today that this man and this lady are a threat to the public at large, their face has been all over the world. She ain't, he said, referring to Sarissa. She ain't sneaking up on anybody like, hey, do you want to hook up? Do you want to have fun? Come hang out with us. Judge Jones, the same judge who signed the original warrant, listened intently before deciding that the bail would stay set at $1 million, but that the defendants must surrender their passports. There was no sense in insisting Grant and Sarissa wear a GPS device, he said, since they could just remove it with a knife if they really wanted. Or a hacksaw to the ankle sometimes, Cohen offered. During recess, Tony Rakakis updated members of the press who were waiting outside.
2: As of today, we're able to file charges on behalf of seven victims. Both defendants, Grant Robichaux and Cerissa Riley, are charged with multiple counts of kidnapping, with the intent to commit sexual offense, rape, by the use of drugs, assault with the intent to commit sexual offenses, possession of a controlled substance for sale, and his corresponding sentencing enhancements. Additionally, Robichaux is charged with forcible rape, an additional count of rape by use of drugs, and possession of an illegal assault weapon. If convicted, Robichaux faces 82 years and four months to life in prison, and Riley faces 63 years to life in prison. As you saw in court, bail set at a million dollars. Over the last few weeks, our investigators, both in the Orange County District Attorney's Office and the Newport Beach Police Department have received nearly 100 phone calls providing new leads and some cases with additional victims. We've been actively investigating all of these leads and today we filed on the most immediate victims with evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to support the charges, but the investigation continues.
4: Tony then tries to anticipate the questions that might follow. Like, why were there now charges of kidnapping?
2: We believe if the defendants met the victims in a public place, drugged them while in that place, and relocated them back to the defendant's home after their victims were rendered incapable of consent with the intent to sexually assault their prey, that's kidnapping.
4: And were any of the new victims identified from videos or images found on their computers?
2: We're continuing to go through the digital evidence or the electronic evidence. None of the evidence in the new charges involves digital media evidence recovered from the defendants.
4: But members of the press had more questions, especially about the timeline. Why did it take so long to arrest these two after everything that was found during the search so many months ago? Couldn't Grant and Sarissa have been drugging and assaulting women that entire time? A reporter from CBS Los Angeles tries to pin down the details. She asks, would you please clarify because I feel like we're throwing out all these different dates and I'm getting jumbled up in what is really accurate here from the time that the search warrant was served until the time that the case was filed and they were arrested, were women drugged and raped by them?
2: We don't have any evidence of any women who have come forward during that time period. Um, But let, let, let me back up on that from the time that the search warrant was served. Um, so what we have is we have two victims who were uh, victimized during that time period that you're referring to, and they only came forward uh, because the case was filed, and because of the because of the uh, press conference that we had. They came forward because they felt that they should, because they wanted to give support uh, to the two ladies who were who were victimized and, and about whom we charged files. We charged. Uh, we charged the case. And so so we, we do have that.
4: Yes. At this point, the reporter, frustrated with the DA's apparent lack of clarity, redirects the question to Jennifer Walker, the deputy district attorney who was leading the investigation against Grant and Sarissa at the time. She asks, Jennifer, can you clarify? Susan Kang Schroeder, the DA's chief of staff, ushers the competent deputy to the podium while their boss continues to flip through his papers.
3: We don't have any information to believe there are charges after the search warrant was effectuated and before filing. So these new five women, that, the
4: new five Jane Doe, right, Wait, all all right, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tony returns Correct. to the mic with a small bashful smile.
2: All right, so thank you mm-hmm. uh, you're but, but let me, you you're you're, get, you're getting you're getting me on that on that time period a little bit. So you've got the date that the search warrant was
4: The reporter tries once more. She says, "I'm trying to understand whether any women were victimized between the time that the search warrant was served and their arrest, and I believe the answer is no."
2: Okay, the answer is no. I'm I'm sorry and I misspoke.
1: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
0: The living room is where you make some of life's most beautiful memories, but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant high-performance furniture from Ashley Store is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley Stores' high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, comfortable, and easy to clean for more mess and less stress. Shop the life-resistant high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
4: Immediately following Rekaukis' Q&A, the defense and a county supervisor named Todd Spitzer address reporters. The animosity between Todd Spitzer and Tony Rakakis is well-known in Orange County. They've been political enemies since Tony fired Todd from the DA's office back in 2010. Over the years, they've had so many public squabbles, it's hard to keep track. They've accused one another of lying, of improper behavior, of impersonating public officers, and of accepting dirty donations. On the day of Grant and Sarissa's arraignment, Todd had another accusation for his former boss. He was using the case against Grant and Sarissa for publicity. To prove it, he handed out a copy of the eight-month-old search warrant affidavit to members of the press. He wrote in a correlating press release, Rokakis sat on two 2016 rape-by-drug cases by Robichaux and his girlfriend in order to stage a high-profile arrest closer to the November election. He continued, my opponent could care less about victims or the sanctity of the criminal justice system. This stunt, this handing out of a search warrant that included protected information, including the first and last name of one victim and the sexual orientation of another, prompted a ripple effect. Back inside the courthouse, reporters were ordered to turn over their copies and to promise not to disclose its contents. Later, ABC, the Associated Press, and Sean Emery from the OC Register would have this order overturned. Outside of court, the victims bristled. The DA's office had promised to protect them, to keep their identities private. And now a man running for that very same office was sharing their names with the media? What else might he do? On November 6th, 2018, less than a month after the amended complaint was filed against Grant and Sarissa, Todd Spitzer was elected Orange County District Attorney. After 20 years and five terms as the county's lead prosecutor, Tony Rakakis, the man who lodged the case against Grant and Sarissa in the first place, was out of the job.
5: My name is Peter Harden. I'm a former Marine Corps officer and judge advocate. Got out of the Marine Corps in 2013 and went to work as a deputy district attorney at the Orange County DA's office. And by the time your show airs, I will be officially a candidate for Uh, District Attorney of Orange County in the 2022 election.
4: So who will be your opponent in that race?
5: Our current District Attorney, Todd Spitzer.
4: Got it. And who was your boss when you were in the DA's office?
5: Tony Rakakis, our former District Attorney who was in that job for almost 20 years.
4: Of all the gin joints in Orange County, I was pretty pleased when Peter Harden walked into mine. Peter has a unique vantage point, not only on the criminal justice system in Orange County, but also the enduring rivalry between his former boss and his future opponent. His view may be a bit biased, but if anyone has a good read on all the slippery parts of this case, it's Peter. I asked him to take us back to the beginning.
5: Since 1990, Orange County's population has exploded by about a million people. And I think what's most interesting about that time frame are the demographic changes over these past 30 years. The Asian Pacific Islander community has tripled. The Hispanic Latino population has increased by similar percentages, while our white population here declined by well over 20%. Our African American and, and Black community has remained relatively steady at around 2%. So, you know, Orange County went from landing on the map, so to speak as a bedroom community for folks who moved to Southern California in the ni- mid-1950s to work in the aerospace and manufacturing industries. So today, we all of a sudden, we're the third most populous county in California, the sixth most in the entire U.S., which is more than 21 states, and we're the second most densely populated county in the state after San Francisco. Viewed, I think, in light of that brief history, when Tony was elected to DA for the first time, Tony Rokakis, that is, uh, was elected to DA for the first time in 1998. He took over the single highest elected office in this county smack in the middle of a time of just rapid and drastic change here. So that's all fact-based. And and what I'll say now is is more sort of opinion-based. Tony is, you know, no spring chicken. He was born in 1943. And I'm not sure how fully equipped he was to carry the DA's office into the 21st century, and I'm not sure that he surrounded himself uh, with people who fully understood the dramatic changes that were happening at the time and were able to affect that transition either.
4: So why do you think Todd Spitzer won?
5: Well, Todd ran as a reformer who was going to clean up the day's office after it became badly mired in scandal following another case, the Decry case. Scott Decry very sadly opened fire at a beauty salon in in Seal Beach, which is in the the northern part of Orange County, in 2011, killing eight people. And two of the prosecutors assigned to that case violated Decry's civil rights by using this jailhouse informant to get information on Decry after Decry had already been formally charged and had retained a, a defense attorney. And it was widely seen as a boneheaded move, because uh, they had him, the prosecutors had him dead to rights on the murders. This was a a big scandal. It caused massive delays that set the case back, I think, six years. And it made national news. I was a deputy district attorney at the time, and it was embarrassing for the office and and for the county. Tony's response was, you know, I think, by anyone's calculus, woefully anemic. He acknowledged that mistakes have been made, but claimed that they were unintentional and no one's heads rolled as a result. Tony became significantly embattled throughout this whole scandal, and it really opened an avenue for Todd to run as a reformer, which he took every advantage of. Todd said that he would come in and clean house, that he would oust the bad actors and set unethical practices right. He also ran as a crime victim's advocate saying that Tony had been soft on crime. There's a deep, I would say beyond grudge, I think there's a hatred between those two men. And it wasn't enough to beat Tony. I think Todd wanted to bury him.
4: Todd Spitzer has long touted his role as co-author of Marcy's Law, or what is known as the California Victims Bill of Rights Act of 2008. Despite the search warrant spectacle, protecting victims and Marcy's Law specifically was a big part of Todd Spitzer's platform
5: Marcy's Law seeks to give crime victims some set of meaningful and enforceable constitutional rights equal to the rights of the accused in in a criminal case. So the biggest one is that alleged victims now have the right to be heard at every stage of legal criminal proceedings. There are 17 enumerated rights um, that are sort of amorphous and hard to enforce in a lot of ways, but some of them include the right to be treated with dignity and respect, throughout criminal justice proceedings, to be notified of his or her rights as a victim of crime, and to be notified of specific public proceedings throughout the whole process. Marcy's Law is interesting. It's obviously well-intentioned, but it's criticized from unexpected quarters, like some prosecutors and, and victims' rights advocates, because it sort of broadens the definition of victim to include in some states any spouse, parent, grandparent, child, sibling, grandchild, or guardian of any person. So given the huge number of low-level crimes that happen every day, and deputy district attorneys really are inundated with work in cases that come across their desk, Marcy's Law is very expensive and virtually impossible to follow to the letter of the law. So some groups complain that It can hinder investigations and sort of dilute services for uh, people who really need it most. And defense attorneys in particular have the argument that it can upend the presumption of innocence, give alleged victims a say in the proceedings before it has even been established that there was a crime in the first place. Todd claims to have authored this law. And I think there is some merit to that, but he was one of many people who was involved in its writing. I mean, there's an ongoing... I think Todd will take credit for anything positive that he possibly can. There's a joke here in Orange County that Todd spells God with two Ds at the end. You know, he's that kind of guy by all accounts.
1: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50
0: for 50% off. The living room is where you make some of life's most beautiful memories, but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant high-performance furniture from Ashley Store is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley Stores' high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, comfortable, and easy to clean for more mess and less stress. Shop the life-resistant high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
4: After Todd with 2D's Spitzer was sworn in as Orange County District Attorney in January 2019, both sides continued the complicated process of discovery or sharing all pertinent documents with each other so that each side has the same information. As co-counsel on the correlating civil suit, the one filed by Jane Doe 5 the same day as the criminal arraignment, Philip Cohen was afforded an interesting opportunity. He was able to depose a wide range of third-party witnesses who might have intel. You'll remember that Jane Doe 5, Danielle Bezjak, not only sued Grant and Sarissa, but also Grant's sister and her husband for negligence. Philip Cohen had been blocked from interviewing the plaintiff herself due to Marcy's law protections. So he instead subpoenaed everyone from friends of the other victims to Newport Beach detective Kristen Fox, whose interview we heard in chapter two. Twice, on June 19th and then again on June 24th, 2019, Philip Cohen deposed former OCDA, Tony Rakakis. Case
3: caption is Bajek versus Robichel. Cause number three zero dash two zero one eight dash zero one zero two six zero two zero dash uppercase cu dash uppercase PL Dash uppercase C J C Deposition be taken on behalf of the defense the name of the witness today Anthony Rakokis Counsel please state your appearances for the record. Philip Cohen
4: The tone of the June nineteenth deposition changes often. At times, the defense lawyer and the former prosecutor seem friendly, even jocular, with one another. In other moments, things feel tense.
3: Did you understand that your deposition today was not as Tony Rakakis, a lay person, such as myself, but it was as Tony Rakakis in your role as the Orange County District Attorney? Well,
2: I would believe it would be a former role, so... I am who I am. I'm Tony Rokakis, and I was the district attorney, but I'm not now.
4: Tony, who attended the deposition without a lawyer, admits that he reached out to friends in the DA's office to get the subpoena quashed. He'd had an inkling why Philip Cohen might like to speak with him, and it didn't have much to do with any civil matter.
3: Okay. Um, When you got this subpoena, did you reach out to anybody about the fact that you had been served with this subpoena and this uh, civil litigation?
2: I did. Who'd you talk to? I talked to uh, Susan Schroeder and uh, Jennifer Walker. Okay, let's start with... No, I didn't even... I talked to Susan Schroeder and I just emailed Jennifer Walker. Okay.
3: So there may be an email out there regarding this in some form or fashion. I don't...
2: is Is that... You think that fits the definition?
3: Well, what what you let's talk about what you emailed Jennifer Walker about.
2: I just told her that I'd been um, uh, subpoenaed, and I wanted her to be aware of that. Okay. And um, and I and I just uh, uh, thought that um, that the DA's office might possibly want
3: to make a motion to quash. Okay. Do you have that email? I do. Okay. Let's preserve that among the other things. Yes, sir. Did Jennifer respond to that? She did. What'd she say?
2: Um, she said that they looked at that and um, uh, didn't uh, didn't think they could make the motion because I'm not the DA
3: anymore. Why did you think that, or suggest that the DA's office bring a motion to quash?
2: Well, I thought they might want to, um, as the uh, as the sitting DA at the time, um, and uh, um, just under the general circumstances, usually. Um, DAs don't get subpoenaed in uh, in a in a related civil case, and I don't really have much to offer. And uh, so, generally, I've seen those kinds of subpoenas be quashed before. What did you um, speak to Susan about, or email Susan? Uh, pretty much the same thing. I said I was subpoenaed in uh, in this case because uh, um, I think she had, uh, and I'll tell you what it was. Uh, she had tried. She had told me. Um that uh, uh, she heard <clears throat> some third hand that somebody was uh, trying to subpoena her at in uh, an office in, uh, in Newport. and um, so neither of us had any idea who it might be. And uh, when I got this subpoena, I assumed it was probably the same parties. So I learned.
3: So what did you tell her?
2: I told her I was subpoenaed and that it was the, uh, uh, the Robichaux case and it was a related civil case. And I think they're just trying to get discovery for the criminal case by using a uh, deposition in a civil case. I thought it was an interesting idea. I've seen it before. What did she say? <laughs> Not too much. She shrugged. She said, uh, you know, maybe I'll let Jennifer know they might want to make a motion to quash. So uh, that's good idea. Was this in person or by email? Or no, phone? it was a telephone. How do you know she shrugged? It was a shrug kind of message. Sounded like a shrug. I didn't I didn't see her shrug. Got it.
4: Besides at the very beginning of the nearly two hour conversation, the matter of the civil suit is not discussed. There's a whole lot of back and forth like this.
3: By the way, in your experience um as a judge, defense attorney, and DA, would it be fair to say that Just the filing of a case alone can do significant damage to an individual suspect who then becomes a defendant. Yes. And in the case of people who have some type of profile, some type of success, just the filing of the case alone can destroy their personal lives, their public lives, and their business lives.
2: Yes, that's possible.
3: Is that even more of a reason why before a case is filed, the DA's office should go to whatever lengths they can to make sure that they have a complete and fair and accurate picture as much as possible prior to even a filing? Yes.
4: He then presses Rakakis on the 1,000 women's statement.
3: As you sit here today, do you believe that there are 1,000 or so victims of rape depicted on the electronic media from Robichaux's house? Well, I just don't know how many. Well, that's why I'm gonna go down the the ruler with you. Do you believe that there's about a thousand or so victims of sexual assault slash rape depicted on the electronic media? I think there probably are. And that's a thousand victims or so yes and what is that belief based upon
2: based upon discussions that i had with uh jennifer kearns and mike carroll
3: so by the time at the time that you had left office by the way let's just break it down you left office i believe january January 7th 7th, okay yeah so i want to do before and after Um, after you left office have you had any discussion with anybody about the contents of the electronic media no so at the time you left office on January 7th 2019 it was your belief that there were approximately a thousand or so victims of rape or sexual assault depicted on Robichaux's video yes and that conclusion opinion has not changed as of today has not
4: Toward the very end of the deposition, Philip Cohen asks the big question, the answer to which becomes vitally important to this case.
3: Did you see this case of a thousand victims, good looking doctor, good looking girlfriend as being a potential publicity vehicle for you? I certainly expected it to get a lot of publicity. Yes, and did you think that that publicity may be helpful to your campaign? Yes, and that was a thought. You you wanted to help your campaign. I assume you wanted to get reelected, of course. And if there's an opportunity to get publicity to show you doing your job and you being a, a vigilant DA, that is good for your election campaign. Yes. And you saw this case with the accoutrements as potentially being a very good vehicle. Is that fair to say? Yes.
4: Next time on OC Swingers.
3: We also know from reviewing the evidence that some of the women who came forward were doing it to support the other women, even though they weren't victims. Because when they heard thousands of victims on video, they wanted to come forward. And you can't blame them.
4: I assure you, Your Honor, there was nothing unclear about the moment when I was raped. Oh, I feel like I finally woke up from a bad nightmare and feel like I can breathe again. OC Swingers is an AudioChuck original, executive produced by Ashley Flowers and created, written, and reported by me, Justine Harmon. It was produced by Josh McLaughlin, editing and sound design by David Flowers, with additional research and fact-checking by Barbara Keene. Special thanks to Michael Carey, Ann Diebel, and Anna Hendrick of Quest Investigates, and Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. So Chuck, do you approve? <laughs>